RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Well, here at Reality Check Radio, we've been keeping an eye on Hawke's Bay following Cyclone Gabriel. We've talked to Zeb Jackson, who gave us on the ground stuff. We talked to Mike Beatsman, who is a um, food company owner, orchardist in the Esk Valley. And now we're talking to Paul Painter of the Yummy Fruit Company. And we've connected with him after reading a piece in the Rural News where he's talking about the recovery or lack of it in the Hawke's Bay. And we thought we'd get him on to talk more about that. Paul, welcome to Reality Check Radio. Thanks for coming on. It's great to be here. How are you doing at the moment? Well, battling day to day, really. Uh, um, most people in Hawke's Bay, a little bit struggling, three and a half months on from the cyclone. And um, it still has a big impact on you. I go driving around our orchards in the S Valley, and when I've done that, I've seen it a few times already, I have to pull over on the side of the road and take a few deep breaths because you'll crash my car if I don't. <laughs> we don't want you doing that. Okay, let's go through some of the standouts in this piece um, that uh, certainly got my attention. No particular order, but I think it really speaks to how things are and will inform our listeners. A lot of small growers have lost their homes, their orchards. How many? When you say a lot, how many? What, quantify that. Well, there are probably 150, 200 growers in Hawke's Bay, which is a lot less than there used to be, um, but it's still a lot of people. And so I would imagine there's um, probably a quarter of those who have lost their homes. Some of them are living in uh, in the garage with a barbecue and a little generator and a port outside. Um, Johnny Moffat was on the TV the other night. He's living out of a horse float with his wife, and um, I don't think she's very happy about that. So they're pretty grim conditions, and um, a lot of the time they're looking out their their orchards, and they look the same as they did three months ago. Uh, basically, absolutely no progress has happened, and um, no one can really see the light at the end of the tunnel. So you would say that uh, what was needed to be done has not been done, and even what, if anything has been done, it's been slow, slow. Yeah, well, this happened at the worst possible time. So we're in February. That's the beginning of our apple harvest. So you basically, a farmer goes and borrows money from the bank to produce a crop, and then that crop gets destroyed. So you've spent a good deal of the money. For apples, you've spent about $9 a box producing your crop. So, so yeah, again, quantify that. What sort of money is involved? I mean, that's that's lots of money, potentially. It's lots of money. For our business, um, somewhere north of $2 million we borrowed from the bank to produce a crop, and we probably spent another six or 700000 let's say $3 million all up, either lost crop or the cleanup, you know, getting access um, to our properties, um, just sorting out all the silt, probably the best part of $3 million. And that's money that... Uh, um, where the crop is gone, there's no income. So at the end of the year, you're minus $3 billion on your profit and loss, and you won't be able to pay back to the bank that, that money. You'll make a big thumping loss, and they'll say, can I have my money back, please? And you'll say, we haven't got it. So they're not very happy with that situation. No, I don't blame them. What were they like initially? I guess there was some understanding initially. They probably wanted to see what the government would do. Would that be right? Oh, absolutely. There's a bit of a standoff between the government and the banks. Uh, well, the, the Thursday after it happened, they rang and said, well, you know, great sympathy for you guys. Tell us how much money you need and we'll put it in your account. But by the following Monday, they were saying, you know, we're, we're a bit nervous about, you know, the value of our security there and everybody's earnings and maybe we don't want to lend you any more money. So, you know, I understand that uh, they're commercial people and they know that every dollar that goes out 
even if it's for a good cause, like cleaning up your orchard, isn't coming back at the end of the year. And that's not the business they're in. So, yeah, there's a, they've been talking to the government and the government have been talking to them. And both of them are pointing the finger saying you need to support your growers. Um, and, and I think, by and large, I'm with the banks. Uh, in the first instance, to clean, clean up uh, what has been a natural disaster, and particularly uh, one area we farm a lot in, uh, Parkify, uh, there it's uh, it's really an infrastructure failure. Nobody expected to stop banks to breach in 35 places and um, and floods, you know, put that area under three metres of water. It hasn't flooded uh, for the 100 years we've had flood protection in place and something went horribly wrong this time. So it's not as if you're expecting to be, you know, put back exactly where you were because, I mean, people take hits in life, right, and nature can be devastating, as you found out. Um, obviously, you have to think that there's some sort of viability after a cleanup and uh, you can get back into business. Is that the case with most people affected in the way that we're talking about now, that if they just had that leg up, that assistance, they'd be back up and running, uh, things would be restored, and ultimately it all comes back in earnings and economic activity anyway? Would that yeah, I be- think that, that's the objective for sure. I mean, last year was a horrific year for our industry, post-COVID issues, shipping rates through the roof, the Ukraine war um, causing the European market to collapse. We had a shocker of a year, but that's business, like you say. We made losses. It was a terrible year financially, but we just move on and we have to suck that up as business people. Uh, but this year, uh, we needed a good year and really the event extreme event and certainly the infrastructure failure was something that is absolutely unprecedented not of our making and there'll be a lot of fingers pointed at um uh, you know the forestry policy um the dredging of the waterways the managing of the riparian strips um you know to some extent the blocking up of some of the um the uh the understory of the of the bridges which um you know they put cycleways and all sorts of things by there now so there's a few bit of finger sorry you mentioned cycleways what have they got to do with them well they've got a they've got a place in one location where they've got about oh, three or four sort of um arches underneath the bridges and over time they've sort of filled in uh, a good part of two of the arches on the side and they've created nice little dam ramps for cycleways um, to go through there. So they've beautified the area and they've planted some nice plants and it looks very nice and quite nice to have a little bike out there. Um, and I had a stroll uh, in that location a couple of weeks ago. So all very good, but probably they've just narrowed up the amount of area that the water could make it w- make its way through. And, you know, you get a one in 50 year flood. For 49 years, you've got a very nice community asset. And um, in the 50th year, you've got a, a, a disaster and you're thinking maybe we shouldn't have put those you know, sort of ramps and that, that soil in the road of the water. So but, they didn't know, think it through, is what you're saying in that case? Well, there's a lot of blame to go around. You could blame central government policy. You could blame the regional council. Uh, you could blame some of the farmers or you could blame the forestry industry. Uh, there's, it, it was an extreme event. Um, and, and I'm sure that the reinsurers overseas are going to pay for all these bridges, hundreds of millions of dollars. We'll look to pin the tail on the donkey. So they'll go after some people to see if they can blame some of the regulators or industries that might have caused more damage to occur than uh, should have happened. So, but I'll leave that to them to um, to fight it out in the courts. Uh, we just need to get the economic engine of Hawks Barpen running. It's important to realise that we've lost 
in terms of earnings for our region, a billion dollars. Now, we're a little provincial region. You take a billion dollars out of our main street, you will have significant issues with um, uh, social consequences. Uh, you'll have suicides, you'll have unemployment, you'll have increases in crime, you have all sorts of social ills that come from that money disappearing. And people are already struggling with the with the cost of living um, and housing here, and there's been a you know large number of houses destroyed as well. So, I think it's um, it's not just an issue about the growers here. It's a matter of huge community uh, interests, and it's something that will have a, a multi-year effect on our whole community, which could cost even more in the big picture, really. Yeah, um, over time, it'll, it'll cost a lot more. Well, the growers like me have had apple orchards destroyed. You're four years once you plant it to get to cash flow break even. And I would say work on 10 years to be investment break even. So you make most of your money years 10 to 20. Uh, so it's a long lead time. Uh, but even getting trees is difficult. The nursery, the big nursery here went underwater. Uh, and it takes usually a couple of years by the time you've placed an order to get receive your tree for planting. So um, that process has to start. Two years to get the tree, four years to get the cash flow break even. So for the rest of this decade, uh, we're going to have a smaller industry than we had last year, which is um, will have an effect on our people um, for you know a number of years to come. But of course, as soon as you start planting a tree, you've got people out there doing that and they're looking after the weeds and they're fertilizing it and they've got posts and wires and they're installing irrigation. So the PAYE flows and the GST, and generally you get a bit of economic activity in the region. So even though it doesn't generate foreign exchange earnings, uh, it does create jobs and, and all of those additional benefits for the community and for central government. Just getting back to what you said about infrastructure failure, let's call it that. Um, is that why there should be an obligation on, I guess, local and central government to stump up and and get over this impasse with the banks that we're, we're talking about? Because if infrastructure is being properly deployed, there's a better chance of minimising the damage. So if they're going to, you know, have stop banks that, that break, put cycle waste that mean the bridges gum up and, the you know, narrow down the river flow or the water flow, and that exacerbates it, then there is some fault in that, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. There's two reasons why government should step in in this case. One is definitely the infrastructure failure, um, which nobody really expected. We're talking, we've got some shade cloth on a block of Granny Smith, 3.6 metres in the air in the middle of the Hirotonga Plains, and I had pumpkins uh, on the top of the shade cloth. Wow. So that's how much water we had through the through the orchards. Uh, very uh, hasn't happened before since the stock banks were installed. So yes, infrastructure failure, so not a normal business risk that we would expect. And the second component as to why they should intervene is the incredible broader social impact it's going to have on our community. They're really serious. We saw it in the 1980s with the big freezing works shutting down here, um, you know, caused a huge amount of problems. And uh, I'm sure they're keen to avoid that because, you know, if people can work and they can feed their families and they've got some structure in their lives, uh, things go pretty smoothly. But if that all falls apart, to some extent, it's the glue that holds society together. So, Paul, what is the wish list? What is actually needed to not put you back exactly where you were, but to, to give everybody a fair shot of cranking the handle again 
and you talked about that that lag time for you know break even profit. It's boy, you have to be committed to go twenty years. Just you, you know, you must be passionate about it. What actually needs to happen? You know, define it. Okay, it's, well, it's very easy. Uh, you need to create clarity for people of where they're going to be in two or three years' time, and then you need a pathway to get there. And then people's heads will lift, and they'll start going down the pathway. At the moment, it's been piecemeal. Here's some money to clean up your orchards. Second tranche comes. We'll go you 50-50 on cleaning up your orchards. And people are going, well, um, my orchard's destroyed. If I clean it up, and sometimes it's quite expensive, like you know, if you've got an orchard on its side, post and wires and everything, uh, you might spend $30,000 a hectare cleaning that up. Um, there's a guy here with 50 hectares, I know. Uh, so it's a huge amount of money, and the government is saying 50-50, but as I just said before, we're all out of money and kind of broke, and we owe seasonal finance, so we have to get our 50% from the banks. And they're going, well, when you've cleaned your orchard up, uh, you've got a tidier uh, piece of land, but we haven't made any money and there's no prospect that they're occurring. So the banks don't want to lend until they can see that vision for two or three years' time. And to be honest, even if the growers had the money, I'm not sure they'd spend it because they want to see that vision too. And more so, if you're planting a tree, the bank's looking at that 50-50 going, well, you know, you're planting an asset. I can match the asset with the debt. I can see it's going to produce fruit and income over time. So maybe we can back that. But running around with a with a um, with a digger digging up silt is not productive in their eyes, and that's why I think it's really important the government stump for that cleanup part. Beyond that, we're business people, uh, so it'd be nice to to maybe get some compensation for the lost crop or something, get us on our feet. But after that, in my view, what the government should do is issue a twenty year Gabrielle bond um, for about four and a half percent. Um, the the taxpayers should pick up the interest for the first four years, and then the growers should take on the loan, maybe pay 5% interest, so the taxpayer gets repaid. And then we're making commercial decisions, allocating capital uh, sensibly. We've got a pathway to recovery, but we're paying for that. So I think that the disaster and the cleanup and getting us on our feet, absolutely a government responsibility and uh, um a moral imperative, really, for our community. And beyond that, let's try to be as commercial as we can, try to give people, a, um, you know, a, a patient lender and in uh, four years to get back to cash flow positive, and then we'll carry the burden of paying back their loan and paying the interest. Seems fair to me. Government haven't, haven't bitten on that one. Yeah, banks won't lend to any businesses not making, what, enough to wash its face. They just... They just don't. Those are a particular set of rules, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So we are working under the Basel III banking rules. And uh, if you've got non-performing loans, um, that is businesses losing money and not paying off their debt, um, then it triggers the bank's capital reserve requirements. So they have to carry more capital to support you. And that reduces their ability to make profits. So they don't like um, sectors where the regulators say they have to carry more capital and they don't like it when they don't perform and they have to carry more capital still. So um, agriculture is basically really out of fashion because of the new rules that have been adopted. Um, and now they're very aware of, of some of the disasters uh, that um, can occur. And of course, most of our banks are Australian, basically all the ones that fund our industry. And they, uh, they're they aware of these plenty of these disasters in Australia as well. So we're becoming a touch unbankable at the moment. Um, and that's a difficult environment for everybody, obviously high interest rates. But bankers that are nervous that the properties now, even the ones standing, 
Um, but certainly the ones have been flooded. You know, where's the market for that? If they wanted to sell you up, who's going to buy your orchard? Are they thinking probably nobody unless it's going really cheap? And also your income for the next um, six or seven years has been significantly affected. So you're not going to have a debt to earnings ratio. It's going to make them happy either. So we're asking the banks to back our businesses outside of their normal lending ratios for the rest of this decade. That's a big ask. Well, it is a big ask, I think. Anyway, but, you know, crap happens, right? I mean, that's that's just life. You can't get away from it. Would I'm just thinking, would practical uh, offerings like free diggers, as many as you need, that would help, wouldn't it? Oh, we've had amazing response from the community, farming army, all sorts of different groups, people offering um, free equipment all over town. And people arriving, you know, they're just randomly, people. some bloke with a digger down country will throw it on a trailer, drive up here, um, drive on the gate and said, you need a, do you need a hand? This has happened all over the place. We don't know who these people are, but people have seen the need and come from all over. But to be honest with you, the the scale of the disaster is so great that um, you know a lot of people have been toiling away for three months and it barely looks any different. Yeah, I but mean, we've got one... an army. They know how to operate machinery. We could import, um, you know, a thousand uh, diggers. Um, you know, a country can do that and we can set them to work. These things yeah. could happen. Well, we needed it to happen a little bit faster because uh, we've got blocks of trees that we didn't pick, we lost the crop. But there's silt in there and it's pretty squishy stuff, particularly when it gets wet. And one of the things we do over winter is we spray the tra- uh, trees with a, a mineral oil, food grade mineral oil, very environmentally friendly. What that does is it smothers all the pest eggs so you don't get a lot of pests come in the spring. And that enables us to get phytosanitary access to the markets uh, like China or Taiwan, people that are paying lots of money. Um, and we can't get out there in the field at the moment because you go out there with the tractors and you just bog down. You've got, say, a foot of silt, you sink into it. It's um, really fine stuff and we're all getting stuck. So um, we need to remove the silt, but we need to make progress since February because uh, the weather's been good the last couple of months, but now we're getting to winter. And if you get the winter rains, and the cold days, it just doesn't dry this stuff. It's got tremendous water holding capacity. So it may be that some of these blocks will actually lose the crop for next year because we can't clear the silt now. So we needed faster action, more resources, uh, and more funding. But all of that is not going to happen unless you've got that big picture of saying, well, this is the total package for you to clear. Um, look at the uh, potential for redeveloping order the trees, plant them, get the infrastructure set up, and then get going. Um, So we need the big picture on that, and that burden has to be borne partly by the government, partly by the banks, partly by the growers. Let's spread it around, but we need the big picture plan to get the economy going uh, in order to keep, you know, Hawke's Bay sane and livable and retain the talent and the prosperity we've had for the last decade. Paul Painter of the Yummy Fruit Company. Sounds yummy, Paul. Sounds really yummy. It's all in the name. Thank you for coming on and explaining that. No problems. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.